Critic Nick Hilditch of the BBC called this very much a film of the 80s in its portrayal not of moral decline, there is little declining left to do, but of unstoppable egocentrism with guns. New York Times critic Vincent Canby wrote, The dominant mood of the film is anything but funny. It is bleak and futile. What goes up must always come down. When it comes down in this film, the crash is as terrifying as it is vivid and arresting. End of the 1932 original, the Times UK staff says that what it has and what the many other gangster films that have followed it have not is an ice-cold anger of purpose. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Scarface. Sequel. Re-re-reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Okay, today we're talking about Scarface. Yeah, ruined childhoods. Everybody, that's not that's not Tony. That's not Tony. It's not Tony Montana. <laughs> it's not Al Don't Pacino. Worry. It's it is our our guest for today, Cesar Gra- Cesar Gracia. Here I am trying to get fancy with Yeah, and everybody, uh, anybody who's a, a longtime listener would remember him from our Zorro episode, which I, I'm i so sad that I wasn't part of that conversation, but I loved listening to it. So thank you again for that one, Caesar. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was fun. Yes. Now we need no explanation as to why Caesar is a is a guest on on this episode as we were saying as i said to john and as we were saying earlier um we could not do this episode without him and it's true you know he brings a perspective to scarface particularly the 1983 version of scarface directed mm-hmm. by brian de palma that john neither john nor i will bring to it and you know you may not this you know this might be a movie that you've seen you know, dozens of times, if not more, you, the the listener. But I think that hearing, like, I know that hearing Caesar talk about this movie and about his his upbringing, um, and I'll let him get into that, it's really clear why we could not do a Scarface episode without him. So here we yeah. are. And it's also important to note as this is a podcast that talks a lot about reboots and sequels and stuff like that, that the 1983 Scarface is a remake of a 1932 movie. So I, uh, for mm-hmm. anybody out there who's just like, oh, remakes are blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, guess what? Like this one that you really love, that's a remake. It's, and it says it, it says it at the end. At the end of the movie, after the shootout, it says uh, dedicated to Howard Hawks and Ben Hesch. Yes. Right. Who were the directors and writers of the original Scarface? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And uh, I, 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 I got to say, after watching the 1932 version, I appreciated the 1983 version even more because it's a, a really smart remake in that it doesn't just do it 
the same exact way in the sense of like, you know, uh, an Italian Chicago mob movie, but it it really takes the key elements in a lot of those key scenes and adapts it to a current thing at the time. But kept a whole lot, even even lines of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I I would say even lines of dialogue are taken. Like he, he exactly. Oliver Stone kept a lot. Yeah, uh, a lot of the of, of the original. You, and, and when you first like first glance, you're like, oh, it's like a black and white, you know, like hey, 1930s. But you go like, oh no, this is like beat by beat lines of dialogue, like everything. Yeah. Uh, but the the Cuban cocaine thing is thanks to Sidney Lamette. Yeah. It was before Brian De Palma was on board. Sidney Lamette was the one who came up with like, instead of making, because they were going to make a 30s period piece. And Sidney Lamette goes like, well, there's this thing going on now in Miami with the Cubans and the cocaine. It should be that. And then I guess he wanted to get more political. And then I guess um, Marty Bregman was like, nah. And then Brian De Palma was brought in, but Oliver Stone, oh, I guess, oh, ran yeah. with that idea and then wrote that whole thing. Well, yeah. his two favorite things, politics yeah. and cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> at least at so, that time. At least right. at that I'm sorry. <laughs> at least in in the nineteen eighties. And that's on the record too. Yeah, it's yes. not like Dan's yeah. exposing anything about Oliver Stone. <laughs> no, you know, you know, I, I, I said, I said I wouldn't tell, but yeah, Ollie and I used to do lines in the the, the Viper room. No, I'm, of course not, <laughs> of course not. Uh, but anyway, so so anyway, yeah, we're talking about both versions of of Scarface, and I totally agree with John that mm-hmm. after seeing that, watching the original, it made me appreciate what was added to the 1983 version. But the 1983 version is the one that more people know, like you said, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize it's a remake and don't understand the, the credits at the end. Who's yeah. Howard? Who's Howard Hawks? Fuck that. Right. So yeah. I did not see this until like well into my teens on VHS. Uh, John, I don't, when, oh. do you remember your uh, first time I, seeing I, it? I ha- I'm sh- I think that I've seen it like probably when I was in high school, but the first time that I watched it to really like watch it, watch it was when I was in my mid twenties, maybe like 26 or 27. And I didn't uh, connect with it as much as I did when I did it on my watch last week. And then I really wish that I would have watched the 1932 version first and then the 83, but I did it opposite of that. But I definitely saw it in a very different way. You know, as we grow older, we have different sensibilities. We have different things that, you know, uh, stick out to us a little bit more. And, you know, really understanding what was going on in Cuba at the time helps put everything into the right context. I didn't necessarily, I mean, of course it was 83. These things happened a lot then, but didn't love that it was not a Cuban person playing the lead Cuban role. I think there was only one person of Cuban descent. So yeah, yeah. I, w- I want to talk about Dude, that yeah. more, but, but sees. So tell us about when you first saw Scarface, what your circumstances so, it, were and it, yeah, we'll sit back. Okay. Yeah. It, it was 1983. <laughs> um, I was I had I was I was seven years old and I guess it was like they were advertising. My brother was like my brother was eight years old, so he was like fourteen or something at the time, and he was like really dying to see it. And um, and it was this new movie, whole thing, whatever. So the whole family, like the whole family, got together. It was like uh, me, my mom, my dad, uh, my brother. Um, we had my mom's friend Chicho, who actually had come through the Mario boat lift. And ignored. We had two people with us who had actually come through the Murrow boat lift. We get 
to there's a like a win, there's a supermarket there now, but it used to be a theater called Hylia Cinemas. And we went there and that place was jam packed. And out in the back seat, it was, it was crowded. It was a big hoopla. It was a bunch of Cubans there. And all I kept hearing was like, oh, el padrino, el padrino, el padrino. Because Pacino is known for the Godfather. So it was like, oh, el padrino is playing a, a, a Cuban. El padrino is playing a Cuban. The Godfather is playing a Cuban. I don't know who the fuck is, whatever. Uh, so I get in there and um, at, you know, the, it, it was tense. I think Castro, at the beginning of the movie, you see Castro talking about like the, the Mariel people, whatever. And people were like, you know, there's grunts already in the theater. And as soon as that guy comes out, he's like, Antonio Montana. And you, what's your name? That first smile with the haircut. The whole theater, we, we were like in. We're like, oh, my God. It's like, this guy has us. Like, they know we're here. Because uh, we're like this like small little, like, Hispanic community. Like, no one really knew about us. That was the first time we were like, oh, they're in fucking Hollywood. And here's a big guy doing it. What gave it legitimacy, though, and at that time, we just accepted Hollywood people uh, to, you know, play Hispanic. Marlon Brando played a Mexican. <laughs> but there's one guy, which is Stephen Bauer. Uh, and we knew who he was because there was a, a PBS sitcom called Que Pasa USA. Uh, at the, Andy Garcia did like a, was in one episode. Uh, but he was a teenage son. And his at the time, his name was Roque Echevarria. Uh, his great-grandfather has the Bauer last name. So yeah, when he went to Hollywood, he changed it to Stephen Bauer. But the whole audience goes like, that we know that guy is Cuban. And so I remember it was, uh, there was two things that stick out. One was, we we're just watching this movie. I'm like, I'm little. And it was just, it was a pretty, and that's a huge impression. The first one, he's in the South Beach getting chained up. We were like, oh no, he's in trouble. And as soon as those sunglasses appear, which is Stephen Bauer, which is like our boy from Miami, coming to save Pacino's ass. Fuck, man, was that theater screaming? Like, it was like, Ahora tú! And that, like, he just rips that door open with machine gun. That fucking thing was like, ah, it was just screaming, dale, coño, dale. And I'm like shaking in my seat, like just going, oh my God, it's like thrilling. And I think the rest of the movie, I mean, it was three hours long. I think I had to pee like pretty bad, but I couldn't fucking move. Uh, and then was that ending, that end, that the last ending when he's just fucking coked out. People are kind of like bummed out, whatever. And then he's doing like, you fucking with me, you're fucking with the best man. I remember that theater, I remember it was Dignota was extreme. My brother says it was just Dignota, but I guess it was this black black friend of, of my mom's who just came from the middle boat and lived really fucking proud of Cuban. She was like screaming. But it did feel, in my memory, I feel like the, like a handful of people were like up and screaming at the, at the screen as he was fucking shooting at everything. And I was like, Jumping and then he gets shot and everybody's like, "Oh, I got out." Yeah. Like, I guess they were hoping he would win or something, and then we just cleared. And that we had an intermission. There was an intermission in that. That was like um, we had to step out and go back. That's when my that was my pee break. And I remember going back in. Uh, there was an intermission in that movie, and then we're leaving. And I remember like my one of the parents was like, "And that's why we say no to drugs because that was like the thing." But we, uh, me and my and uh, my friend uh, Ernie was teacher's son. He also came from Maribel. If he was like my age, like a year older than me, we walked away like, "What did we just see?" Um, and I was like, "And you were seven, you said." And I didn't see the theater again until the twentieth anniversary, huh? You you were seven when you saw it the first time. I was seven. Yeah, I was seven years old. That's amazing. And uh, and then from that, then when it hit VHS, I think I saw it like a billion more times. In the house, uh, right. um, and then yeah. So I've been—I just been a lifelong fan of that movie. Uh, it affected me. My brother named Tony. Uh, uh, Dan would know. Uh, see, we got—we got affected by the movie differently. We got both got affected. I wanted to be Pacino. My brother wanted to be Tony Montana. 
<laughs> uh, he ended up serving 18 years of drug trafficking. <laughs> I ended up, uh, you know, doing theater. <laughs> so, Going into entertainment. But, well, uh, yeah. Actually, well, actually, and then, you know. Becoming you Pacino. Know, doing the Al Pacino show. <laughs> doing the Al Pacino School of Acting. Yeah. I, and I and did that. Yeah. So it was, it was uh, a lifelong fascination with the movie. I think it was in the late 80s, early. I think it was late 80s. That my, my brother knew it was a remake. I had no idea. And we found a VHS. And I'm like, it's the original Scarface. I was like, what? And, and I ended up watching that on repeat for, for, for quite oh, some time. Oh, cool. As well, too. So I got into like a huge... Uh... Yeah, so, it's, so I, I, I've been able to watch it objectively, but there is that experience I just can never get away from. So I am kind of like... I, uh, I, am, I am emotionally attached to that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think that explains why. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the original, why don't I do a little synopsis of the original, and then we'll get more into the, cool, uh, cool, the cool. 1983. Oh, so, oh yeah, and, my, 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 I think my, 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 I think the only comparison, sorry, the only comparison would be if like, to my experience of like, if you're an Italian American kid in Philadelphia watching Rocky. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, got it. it, it you know what I mean? Because I'm a Cuban American in Miami, surrounded by Cubans watching Scarface. Like, I'm sorry, it was just like a huge. I guess you would have to be like, or, yeah, like that, like an Italian, or from Notre Dame watching Rudy, Rudy, yeah, <laughs> like, or something. Like, if you have like, yeah, one of those things where everything aligns, you're like, oh shit, here we are. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was oh, like, I yeah, no, 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 no. That's that. Was, I'm glad that you added that. That's a really good perspective and comparison for a lot of people. I was thinking about that, that, you know, as a similar topic, but yes, please yeah. synopsize. Well, I'm going to synopsize. And then afterwards, Caesar, uh, <laughs> if I miss anything or mischaracterize anything, even from the 1932 version, because I've only seen it once and apparently you've seen it a ton of times, uh, oh. feel free to correct me or add <laughs> yeah. anything that I've forgotten. All right. So Tony Camonte is a low level goon for Italian mob boss, Johnny Lovo but gets in good when he makes a kill that helps Johnny control Chicago's entire South Side, mostly with access to then-illegal booze. But that's not enough for Tony. He gets greedy and also wants control over the North Side. Everything turns around for Tony once he gets a hold of a new type of machine gun called a Tommy gun. When Johnny sees that Tony is making advances on his main squeeze, Poppy, he orders a hit on Tony. When that backfires, Tony takes it upon himself to kill Johnny. But Tony takes it way too far when he kills Gino, his BFF, for shacking up with his kid sister, Cheska. What he doesn't know is that they're in love and just got married. Gino's murder alerts the police to Tony's whereabouts, and they mow him and Cheska down in a, with a cascade of bullets. That's just my very brief synopsis for the 1932 version, because I wanted to leave more room for the 83 version, which is way more dense. But... You know, as as uh, anybody who's seen the '83 version knows, the 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 relationship with the sister is a huge point. Uh, you know, in the '32 version, you have Poppy. In the '83 version, you have Elvira, who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, who and they both play things very, very differently. And um, yeah, I don't know. Also, did I did I forget anything, Caesar? Coming off of. No, uh, no, I just wanted to throw a shout out for Michelle Pfeiffer. She was coming off of Grease yeah. 2 into right. Scarface. So that's how awesome she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't want to cast her either, but 
she had, you know, she was the choice. No, no, no. She killed it. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Frank Lobo. It's Johnny Lobo. Well, no. So John was doing the the thirty-two. I, I, oh, I was doing the thirty-two version. The thirty-two version is Johnny. Yeah. Right now, yeah, and then in eighty-three, it's Rob. Oh, it's Johnny Robert, Lobo. my favorite okay. orange juice spokesperson, Robert Loja. Robert Loja is Frank Lopez. Those, I'm sorry. Those were the Loja. best. Before you launch into the synopsis, <laughs> I he did Lobo. those commercials for Minute Maid orange yeah. juice. I think it was where like. Like, I, I don't know what, like, the kids sitting at the breakfast table and the parents are there and the kids, like, not jazzed about drinking orange juice. And then Robert Loja comes in wearing, like, an all-black suit. And I think this was, like, right after, like, Lost Highway oh, weird. came out. And and it was, and it was like, this kid who's, like, 10 is, like, Robert Loja in my kitchen. And I was, I was like, <laughs> I am the only 10-year-old who would have reacted that way. Try some new Minute Maid orange tangerine. It's got calcium. Then I'm not drinking it. Oh, no, it's sweet. You'll like it. I don't believe you. Well, then who would you believe? I don't know, Robert Loja. Whoa, Robert Loja. Billy, your mother's right. New Minute Maid Orange Tangerine tastes great. And it's got as much calcium as milk. If you say so, Mr. Loja. Yeah. This is great. Enjoy your breakfast. New Minute Maid Orange Tangerine with calcium. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> It was like Robert Loja trying to strong arm this family into drinking Minute Maid orange juice. It was great. It was funny. In, in Scarface, it was like an added touch. He's uh, a Juban. He's what? There, uh, there's a thing. Uh, a Jubans are Cuban oh. Jews. Oh. And if you look at Frank Lopez in Scarface, he's got a star David in his, in, in his, uh, in his he's chain. He's wearing a, a high. I noticed, he's, he's a I noticed he was wearing the high at one point. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And haja. Haja is an old Yiddish word for... Right, right, right. Okay, I. You know what? They don't explain it, but you talk about feeling seen. You talk about feeling seen in a movie. It's when I see when I saw the trailer for Goodfellas, and they just showed the shot of Ray Liotta with like the Star of David around his neck, along with with the cross. I was like, "What a Jewish! I'm in for this." But yeah. They play it a little more subtly here for in in. Uh... Oh, and you know who else is in is in is in the '83 Scarface? I saw this guy do stand up once. Richard Belzer. At... Oh, uh, Richard Belzer. No, ironically not. Ironically oh. not Richard. So a person who I saw stand up in Angel, New Jersey who was not Richard Belzer. Angel Salazar. Salazar. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chichi. Who plays Chichi? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so it's funny. Always nice as, and I love his outfits in it. Anyway, so so now the synopsis for the 83 Scarface. Okay. So I'm ju- I'm going to let you know first that the first few sentences are a very like brief tightened up version of the full story of how we start this movie. So I uh, I you know and and Caesar some of the stuff that you said earlier fills this in more and and we'll talk more about it soon but that's just my uh disclaimer before i get started uh because you could really this synopsis could be an hour long it's crazy all right so tony montana is an anti-castro cuban prisoner sent to america in an effort from fidel to exile his opposers and as the film's introduction states the dregs of his jails In an effort to earn his way out of Freedom Town, a Cuban refugee camp for those deemed less than worthy by the U.S. government to enter, Tony kills an adversary to a local drug kingpin. After doing so, Tony and his pal Manny are given green cards and work their way up the corporate ladder in Frank Lopez's cartel. Later, 
Tony and Omar, another of Frank's associates, head to Bolivia to visit Alejandro Sosa, one of the largest manufacturers of cocaine. Though Omar is hesitant to make any decisions, Tony comes up with a few ideas and gives the impression that he has the right to do so. Then, Sosa has Omar killed, telling Tony that he's a narc. Back in the U.S., Frank is pissed that Tony was so cavalier with his conversations with Sosa. As Tony gets more and more bold in his dealings that usurp Frank's authority, Frank hires some goons to off Tony at a sweet Richard Belzer comedy show. Tony slips away and confirms that Frank was behind it, so he kills Frank, overtaking Miami's largest drug cartel, and moves distribution of Sosa's cocaine to other parts of the country. He also manages to take control of Elvira, Frank's main squeeze. A while later, Sosa has a mission to ask of Tony, and in exchange, Sosa will get Tony out of legal trouble that would otherwise put him in prison for several years. Sosa wants Tony to help his number one goon assassinate an activist who's making strides in exposing Sosa and a number of the other large figures in the drug trade. Tony agrees, but puts the kibosh on it when the car that they're about to bomb is also carrying the activist's children, which is a soft spot for Tony. Having not completed his mission, Sosa sends his army to Miami to kill Tony. Meanwhile, during all of this, Tony is trying to help his family out who live in Miami. His mother wants nothing to do with his lifestyle, but his little sister Gina is gracious for his help. She ends up frequenting a lot of the same clubs that Tony visits, much to Tony's chagrin. Tony repeatedly tries to put a stop to Gina canoodling with the thugs in the cartel world. She ends up shacking up with and eventually marrying Tony's BFF Manny, all behind Tony's back. When he finds them together, he kills Manny, but hasn't yet learned that they have been married a day earlier and we're going to surprise Tony with the news. That's the end of the synopsis. Caesar, what did I mess up or miss? Nothing, nothing, nothing. That, that's all there. Whew. Uh, one thing I wanted to say first was um, the 32 version is actually the first gangster movie, so it kicks off the genre. Oh, really? That's one. Um, yeah, it does. It's the first one. And... Um, and there's also two, uh, most mob movies have like a, um, a real event. Most fictional mob movies have a real event that they kind of play homage to or do a wink wink to. Mm. Uh, the Godfather is with, uh, with, with, uh, with the Frank Sinatra story, right? That's sort of like mm-hmm. with, uh, with Johnny Fontaine. And the original Scarface, the 1932 version, does the, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Valentine's Day Massacre with Al Capone. Uh, taking over uh, Bugs Moran or whatever. Uh, and so they do an homage to this Dante Day Massacre in the original Scarface. In the uh, in the 83, the the wink wink there, there's two wink winks. One, the chainsaws actually did happen, but it was to an FBI agent. Uh. If you watch if you watch um, Tiger King, the guy, he's in West Palm Beach now, that's, he was like, um, it was a day like, they, it was an FBI informant. They fucking chainsawed his ass up. The Colombians are pretty rough. And also the, the when he tries to kill that guy that would get him in trouble with Sosa, and they put that bomb under that car. Right. And he was like, "No, no woman or children. You guys, um, was it? We got we got to kill him now." And and Tony's like, "No, no man, because he, he had the kids in the car. He's like, see mujer, see like without women and children." And then like he kills the guy and also gets him in trouble with Sosa. That was actually like uh, another one too. There was they were gonna off somebody and they had a bomb in the car and it was because there was kids nearby that that huh. mission was abandoned. So that was those, those were two little real events. They're actually in Scarface. And what's interesting is it reminded me there's that there's a, there's a similar scene in Munich where they're gonna 
where where they're they've got a bomb <clears throat> planted, and it's been a while since I've seen Munich too, but um, the right, little girl. yeah, with the the little girl, um, and it, which is interesting. It, it's interesting because I make the connections because Spielberg actually visited the set, and there's one shot in this he movie directed, directed by yeah. Spielberg during um, the final so, shootout. And, yeah. And then it, De Palma's also got another thing with the little girl getting blown up in uh, um, The Untouchables, the beginning of The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. The Untouchables. Yeah. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah you're interesting. Right. You're De, Palma, right. De Palma's a filmmaker. Um, have either of you seen the, the documentary De Palma? I haven't, no. I saw a part it, of it. The, the first, like, the first half. It's definitely worth checking out. He's such an interesting filmmaker because he comes up from in that group with Scorsese Coppola. and Coppola yeah. and Lucas and Spielberg and I, I'm I'm sure there's somebody else I'm I'm forgetting, but yeah. and and De Palma's kind of like the only one that doesn't really like break out of. I don't know if you'd call it just like like genre flicks or whatever, but. I think for a long time he was written off as as like a hack, but hmm. just like in revisiting a lot of his work, I, I don't know. I feel like De Palma is he's all he's like kind of all over the place, but I like that about him as a director. You know, like he he made Casualties of War, this great you know Vietnam set drama inspired based on the the My Lai massacre, and and he does uh, and. Uh... The Puerto Rican sequel to Scarface is Carlito's Way. Carlito's Way. I love right. Carlito's Way. Carlito's Way. I'm a. That's also the Palma. And that, that escalator shot coming down. Yeah. I need to watch really that cool. again. It's been a long time since I've seen Carlito's right Way. At the end. Um, I, that, by, by the way, uh, John, that synopsis was uh, hilarious. I mean, no, that is the whole that is the whole movie. It's just hilarious how who, how they how they wrote oh. that whole thing. Both yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to really condense everything down to just that. But oh, yeah. you know. Oh, here we go. So, what is uh? Here, I'll give you this note. Uh, what are the comparisons uh, uh that you saw? Like, or like, oh, they did this in '32 and they did this in '83. Well, I'm glad you asked because we pulled a couple of clips and I just have the audio of them. But uh, I'm gonna play a couple of them. First, I'll do the 1932 version and then I'll do the uh, 1983 version. So. Uh, one of them that Dan had asked me to get was where the where Tony, the they are Tony in both of them, uh, are told to uh, get themselves a girl while they are actively trying to get the their boss's woman from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you get yourself a girl, Tony? Well, I'm working on that now. Yeah. Well, don't tire yourself out. And then here's the eighty-three. Hey, Tony. Pleasure, my own girl. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh, you go do it somewhere else. Well, get lost. Right. Yeah, maybe I don't hear so good sometimes. And then in the uh, in the 32 version and the 83 version, one scene that stuck out to me. It's it's a clear like you got to use this part in the remake, but where uh, it's after the assassination attempt on Tony's life, and Tony and his. <laughs> goons uh developed this plan to have somebody call the boss's office uh johnny or frank depending on which one you're talking about so here's the 32 version you call johnny lobo at his office at 10 minutes past two see at 10 minutes past two you say that you call him from the country now see Uh you one of the guys that took me for a ride Uh the car got smashed Uh 
and I got away. Mm -hmm. And the car got smashed, and I got away. Yes, yes. You think it was Johnny? I don't know, but we'll find out now. We'll be there when Pietro calls. And if it was Johnny, he'll stall, won't he? Sure. And now here's the one from 83. To call Lopez. You call him at his office at 3 o'clock, job. Okay. Okay. And you tell him, you tell him, we fucked up, he got away. Okay. Sure. You got it? Yeah. What are you going to say? We fucked up, he got away. What time? 3 o'clock, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, so there's yeah. plenty of other moments where they pretty much take yeah. the dialogue and and modernize it totally, for sure. They, uh, in 1932, no one was saying I fucked up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that although would be it, fun. it is pre-code, pre-code. Uh, yeah, pre it could have. Well, it's interesting. It's so, oh, go ahead, Cease. Yeah. So both movies start off with an interrogation. The first time you see Tony Kamani, he's being interrogated right. by the cops. First time you see Tony Montana, he's being interrogated in um, in, uh, in in immigration, uh, and then. They they both start off with Tony doing a hit. Uh, the nineteen thirty two. He's whistling, and you see his shadow, and they like, kill somebody. That gets him into the interrogation. They're like, yeah, me and that guy, we were like this. He does the whole thing. Uh, the eighty three is backwards. You see the interrogation. Then later on, he does a hit on Rebenga to get out of uh, of Freedom Town. Yeah. The um, there is yeah, the, the working on your own girl. The the car. With the bulletproof, uh, you don't you don't see him use the bulletproof in the '83 version, but you see him order bulletproof windows for the for the for the Porsche, and then in the '32 yeah. version, you see when they, during the shootout when they're chasing him, you see the, the bulletproof windows. What was the other one? The uh, there's also the part where she says when he's actually like laying it heavy on on uh, on Johnny Lovell's wife that she says, uh, "Well, what about Johnny?" Uh, Tony is like, "I like Johnny, but I like you better." And it's the same exact right. line in the 83 was like, what about Frank, Tony? He's like, I like Frank, but I like you better. He throws the same thing. In the old, oh, in, yeah. the, in the 32 version, in the 32 version, he's giving um, a, a little boy uh, played by, um, oh, I blanked on his name. He's from the Alphabet City in Manhattan. He's the gangster in, uh, in, um, in freaking uh, some like it hot, he plays he plays the main gangster. He's a he's he's little boy in Scarface. Oh, I blanked on his name, Raft George Raft. Um, George George Raft. Raft right. um, anyway, yeah, George Raft. He's um, the the flipping the coin. He tell he uh, Tony's yeah. giving him advice, and he says like, I live by three rules. He's like, uh, you gotta you know it's this, and you gotta get them before they get you. He gives him like three little like a weird advice. Same scene in the Fountain Blue. He's like. First, to get the money. Then, to yeah. get the power. Then you have the power and the money, you get the work. He, but there's a scene where Tony's giving that guy advice in, in both versions. Uh, slightly different, but it's, but, it, but it's there. And then the same way that right, they kill right. uh, Johnny Lobo, same way they kill Frank Lopez. And, and that's, that dialogue is famously, I don't know, parodied in 1998's Basketball oh. with Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> First, you get the khakis. Then, you get the jobs. Right. I, I forget how the rest of it goes, but um, then yeah. I, well, yeah. well, one thing that I want to mention that's different between the two is how things end up between uh, Tony's sister in each one. Because in 1932, at the very end, she's like, 
uh, you know, her new husband has just been killed by her brother. And she's like, it's okay, Tony. I'm over it. I'm going to help you, blah, 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 blah. But in the 83 version, she's like, she kind of messes with him and she's planning to kill him. And she's like, oh, I get it. You want to sleep with me. That's what you want? Is that what you want to do? And yeah. there's this very dramatic scene, and which is very incredible. And uh, huge shout out to Mary Elizabeth uh, Mas- uh, Master Antonio. I hope I'm saying Antonio. that right. I always I always slip up on that. But uh, man, she's so good as his sister. She's great. And when she comes in and yeah. she's got like what like like the the nightgown on and, uh, and she basically calls it out and you're sitting there watching it being like, well, we've all been thinking. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, I'm glad she's <laughs> I'm glad she's calling this out. Yeah. But I got to say in the 32 version uh, and big shout out to uh, Anne Dvorak, who plays Cheska, the sister, I found her to be really entertaining and the scene do you guys remember the scene where she's first going up to Gino and she's just like ha cha 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 look at me don't you want to go dance and he's yeah, just yeah. like if your brother saw you wearing that he'd go crazy and he's like you're just a kid and she's like I'm 18 see I'm gonna do the like do a little tap dance ha cha 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 I'm an adult <laughs> now and like I have adult thoughts and I loved watching any Cheska scene it was so good but very different nope. from Mary Elizabeth Macedonia. <laughs> I, I do have one question while we're on the, the topic of, of Cheska. Well, really more Gina. All right. So here's where I don't necessarily feel bad for her or Manny because, all right, they arguably know Tony perhaps better than anyone in the world. Yeah. How could they have possibly thought that surprising him with news of their marriage would have ended well? Yeah, it's kind of a bonehead move. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he wants to fuck her like like, you know, he's he's like really possessive and jealous. And if he's like, oh, my best friend's been fucking my sister and now they're married. Like, of course, he's going to kill someone. That's what he does. Especially with that warning in the car. Hey, she's not for you. Okay, she's not for nobody. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get that in the 32 version. But not a good not a good choice for a surprise. Uh, But. Anyway, so anyway, I wanted to come back to so one of the things that that as we were talking about the 1983 version really adds well uh, um, is putting it in the context of not just immigration, but the boat lift and that influx of um, of Cuban refugees. So now, Caesar, your family, when did your family come over from Cuba. So my, so here's what happened. So my parents came in 64, right? So revolution is like January of 59. If you watch Godfather 2, uh, January uh, is 59. My parents gave it a, sh- a chance. My mom didn't like it from the beginning. My dad thought it was going to do something. And then little by little, I started nationalizing everything. We're like, this is terrible. And you couldn't speak up and whatever. And it was like, all right. So 64, they got on a boat and they, uh, it took them like 10 days. It took them like the, they went like everywhere. So they finally got to Key West. During that time, it was like height of the Cold War. So both my parents are like in, like getting interviewed by the CIA, like heavily. Uh, you know, because it's, you know, the missile crisis was two years earlier. Bay of Pigs was three years earlier. You know what I mean? And Kennedy was just a year before uh, Kennedy's assassination. Yeah. So it, it was a hot time. So, um, and they finally, and there was, I think they lived down here for like a little while. Uh, in 1978, 
78, I think it is, or 79, 78, 78, 79 is when uh, Carter and uh, and the council, they, like, uh, they came to an agreement to let, because once you came over, you escaped. And you you uh, you betrayed the revolution. You were not allowed back. So like uh, so that's why those the earlier Cubans a little bit more bitter uh, about traveling to Cuba because they were not allowed back. My mom, my her her my grandmother, when my my mom's mom was sick, she was not allowed to go back because you're a traitor. So she just had to like just. So a lot of people were separated. In seventy eight or seventy nine is when they finally allowed Cubans to go and visit their families. So that was like a huge deal. Uh, and then those Cubans got to see their relatives a little chubbier, <laughs> wearing some blue jeans or whatnot, whatever. So that, right. that, that happened in the late 70s. And then 79, uh, some Cubans uh, steal a bus. They hop in a bus, they steal it, and they, they ram the gates of the Peruvian embassy uh, seeking political asylum. They were like, we're fucking done. And so uh, when that happened, I think that's when uh, Castro says, and I think a bunch of shit ton of Cubans went in there. I think when Castro says, like, well, I'm not holding anybody back. Whoever wants to go, go. And fucking like the next day, the Peruvians were like, we can't take any more Cubans. Like, we're done. And then that's when Carter goes like, all right, any Cubans seeking for freedom can come to the United States. And so there was boats and then family members, people who had boats here, charter boats. And oh, fucking that's how that whole thing started. So then Castro looking like a fool, going like, oh, great, now half my population is leaving. Fuck that. I'm going to just say like, clear up inventory. I'm going to free up my prisons and, and free up my asylums and my asylums. And then basically went like and forced these people to take, the, uh, you know, like, no, you're taking these motherfuckers that you don't know. Because people were just picking up their relatives. Like, no, you're taking these people. And then that news came back of like, oh, all the criminals are coming back or whatever. So the older Cubans here were freaking out. We're like, what's coming? We have no idea what's coming over here. I mean, these people have been over there for 10, 15 years. Are they communists? Are they not communists? Are they like fucking crazy? Are they criminals? What's coming? So they, they, this was pretty tight. Um, there is still an age restriction. In Little Havana, there is Domino Park. Uh, which was open for Cubans to go and play dominoes. If you go there now, to be a member, you have to be a member, and to be a member, you have to be over 50. Uh, so it's like an old man's domino club. But that was put in there to discriminate against the Marielle people. Because if you're if you're like in your like late 50s, it means you got here in 59 or, or, or in the mid-60s. And they didn't want the Marielle people because they were like different. And so they made it, a, they couldn't discriminate. So they made it a membership and they put an age restriction kind of separating that. Um, so that's kind of how that whole hot mess came in. And those people got here and they were, um, they weren't wanted anywhere. They weren't wanted in Cuba. They weren't wanted in the U S so, and so, yeah. And then the Colombians had this funny powder that needed to be distributed. So it's just kind of like, it was a perfect little magical. And in the early eighties here was, it was, it was, it was insane. Uh, I've watched, wow. you can watch cocaine cowboys to give you a little bit of that, but growing up in there, I mean, even though in my innocence of eight, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, I saw my neighbor's house grow, you know, from a modest suburb house, now had a nicer driveway, had a bigger backyard, it just got bigger and bigger. And my dad, you, you knew what was going on, even in that young age, you knew where, where, where there was, you know, and it was a lot of parties. So question about the kind of, I, I guess, the inner, I don't know, discrimination among the Cuban community in, um, <laughs> you know, in, in Florida at that time. Did that kind of play into when, uh, like, Tony's mother and her 
kind of disapproval because they don't really establish when she came over, but you kind of yeah, do. it's uh uh-huh. go ahead. They're they're going off of the 1932 version on that because I think his mom was still kind of like, "What are you doing?" Whatever. Uh, the only weird part in for me in that is when she says like, "So." Is it still bodegas, you and the others? I'm like, there's no bodegas to mug in Cuba because it's a fucking, it's, it's a state. But yes, no, that was, uh, yeah, I don't know what that, I mean, he, I think it was because he was a troublemaker or something. No, I'm saying that that line might be a giveaway there because if she's saying, oh, is it still, like, then maybe she left, like, in 59, could be, could be, yeah. Unless, hey, I don't, I guess we don't know where he's. Cause I know Pacino's forty, but we don't know like the character, what like his upbringing would be. Maybe like, no, he would be a he would be a young kid. It would have to be before the revolution. Oh. But he had to be like a fucking yeah. eight year old or ten year old. Yeah, yeah. To right. uh, or twelve years old. He had to be like twelve years old to be pre revolution. Maybe. Yeah. No. Those the 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 Maria, the Maria people assimilated or were accepted by the late 80s early 90s or like part of the cuban community and then the new people to be watch out for was the the rafters in the in the mid 90s those are the three those are three big immigrations but anyways to explain what happened there with the mariel bull if that's what happened basically in cuba like they they ran to that that thing and then the president opened it up and that's why you had this huge 125,000 people uh came over within like I don't know, weeks or months. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a huge, it was a huge influx of people. And and again, where where, where are they going to go? There was no jobs. I mean, you know, the the economy wasn't ready for one hundred twenty five thousand people to just be welcomed right. into the city. Right. So right. They, what 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 other trade is available for these people? Was was the cocaine trade? Yeah, and I mean, in uh, in Scarface, we see him just as like, well, he and Manny are you know just working at like a food truck. Uh, you know, scrubbing pots and pans and stuff, you know, just getting whatever work they can get. So, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. The other cool thing about why it's a good remake is because the 32 version, they, they remember there's like a big disclosure in the beginning mm-hmm. of like, this is what's going yeah. on in the country and this, that, whatever. It's a big disclosure because it was going on now. I think, I don't know if Prohibition had ended already, but it was about Prohibition. It was something that had just happened. Uh, Capone was still around. And that was happening now. You know what I mean for for right. them. And then Scarface '83 version, like this is right now. You know what I mean. So that, that I think that's why why it's such a good remake because they're both making social commentary on what's going on at the moment. And and John, I don't know if you made this connection to a movie that that we've covered um, previously. You can find it in the archives. Gabriel over the White House, which comes out a year. Oh yeah, a year 30, later, yeah. and definitely like takes on organized crime and it it's very much commenting on on you know organized crime and its place in society so yeah, yeah did you I, I you know i wasn't thinking about that but yeah it's really cool to see some of these movies really commenting on the time and and you know the 1932 scarface was uh even though they hid this at the time but you know directly influenced by al capone and and well that was his nickname well yeah of course but they but they have but they of course had to uh make sure to mention oh no 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 this isn't about him it's a totally different guy it's a totally different scarface right (laughs) yeah they got yeah they got visited visited. so you were saying you know it's very much the 
uh, you know, that that the 1932 Scarface was about what was going on at the time, as is the 1983. Um, and I yeah. so I guess that kind of brings us to because I was very much thinking about that and considering, you know, the eternal question, what do we do with this? And and it's worth mentioning that, I mean, like Scarface, um, particularly Brian De Palma's Scarface has achieved such like cult status and is you know it's like scripture especially like um the hip-hop community i think especially in like the 90s huge yeah no, no, huge. Yeah. So you're talking about a remake. How, how, well, how to yeah, remake so, it? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's kind well, of... Well, not necessarily so, how to remake it, but what else could be done with this? Because uh, let's talk about what has been done. I know there's been a video game yeah. that's that was based on the 83 Scarface. I never played it. Right. I have... I have a... I have a. I I played it for two minutes. Yeah. I put it down. I can't own that game. I oh. suck my whole life. Yeah, it's right. too, way too much fun. Um, but I have an I have an idea because because the other one is is even though it's a remake, it feels like the definitive version so much. Uh, there's so much color to it. There's so much. It's just so. It's just so to re, to remake it would be really hard, and to have to do it on something on now and what's the now that you want to talk about. I would say is. Go Netflix series, uh, and I want to do the before. So I want to do Miami seventy, like late seventies, before Tony shows up. I want the Diaz brothers. I want Casper Gomez. I want Frank Lopez rising to power. Uh, El Gordo, all the gangsters that you see in that club. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember in, right. in that eighty three Scarface? They're pointing out all the oh, there's the Diaz brothers. There's Casper Gomez. They mentioned other drug dealers right. of the Miami, right? So I want to see those guys in the late 70s. I want to see Casper Gomez, uh, the Diaz brothers, El Gordo, Frank Lopez rising to power, and all those guys fighting it out. In the meantime, flashing to, like, uh, Montana right. in prison or getting in prison from the military or whatnot or whatever. You know what I mean? Rising it until, like, make Mon- make Tony drive the bus and crash the Peruvians or whatever, get arrested for starting that. And then get released on the and then so like season so season one is just Miami in the late seventies and it ends yeah. with the Mario Boatlift of like here it comes and then season two is but uh, is Montana in Miami and then that whole rise of power and you take that over two seasons and then the third or fourth season then it's the downfall then it's just fucking just the complete collapse of everything. And then you would just kill it in four seasons. You're like, fuck it, that's it, no more. <laughs> in your vision of this of this series, so I'm imagining that like rather than just doing like a straight up remake of Scarface for like seasons two and and three and maybe four, um, that you would be able to kind of expand and show you know the law enforcement side of it, show the um, you know like you said, explore the stories of these other uh, these other people. Yeah, and you can almost right. like play out the From play out the movie. Yeah. You play out the movie in a season and a half, but like take your time with each thing. You know what I mean, and really explore it even further. Right, and I mean also, yeah. and this is a character that we haven't even talked about, but Burns Mel Bernstein, you know the 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 crooked cop who's the Harris Harris Ulan the Harris uh, Ulan character. character. You know that's a completely yeah. different story. Yeah. Like, how does this person get turned and? start working for the the other it, side you know not to reduce it but it's almost like a uh you know florida set 
Sopranos. Right. With, I mean, again, you're rebooting. It's like you're, you know, uh, taking Cuban immigrants in, in place of Italian Americans. Yeah, yeah. Sopranos could be yeah. like the Goodfellas the series. You know what I mean? Because it does like get, it almost gives you like, because I remember watching Goodfellas, reading Wise Guy. And then when I saw like the first two episodes of The Sopranos, I felt like, I feel like I'm just like, Reading Wise Guy day by day, like li- like living like living Goodfellas on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. is what the Sopranos kind of like felt to me, um, at least in like earlier er- earlier on. Uh, so yeah, and there's a lot of meat that Oliver Stone put in that script. Yeah. There's like they, again, you, t- you just brought up Mel Bernstein. You're right. There's a whole fucking thing. We only see that guy like in two scenes, but there's like a whole world. There's a there's a whole world to it. And then they mentioned so many people. Yeah, you could really expand that Absolutely. out and have a lot of fun. I think that's and that way you like don't fuck with the original. Uh, you give people the remake that they want, and and you know what I mean. You give them what, what you get to cast another actor. You know what I mean to like do it. You get like an actual Cuban actor. The other remake I thought in my mind was if you modernize it, did like the whole thing, but like now or like uh, if 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 Tony Montana came on wet foot, dry foot, like if he had to like fucking jump off a raft and fucking swim <laughs> to South Beach. Um, cause you can make it a period piece, even though Miami uh-huh. doesn't even look that much anymore. You would have to like dress up certain things. That's a one part about the, um, of the, what's it, what's it, what's it near the Colombian one, the cartels when the, it's a Netflix series too. What's it oh, called? The, um, so, so, Narcos? Oh, Narcos. Or, Narcos. Or Queen of the South? Yeah. Uh, Narcos basically is, um, they show Ocean Drive, but you're showing me Ocean Drive now. Like that's not, oh, like, look at Ocean Drive mm. and Scarface. Like, look how fucking you, yeah. could, you you made a U turn yeah. in a fucking '62 Cadillac. You couldn't make a U turn in a smart car today. Like, you know what I mean? Like that shit's like fucking jam packed. There's traffic or whatever. Those neon lights, like those buildings, look a lot more decrepit when you watch Scarface. That's what it looked like back then. And in Narcos, you see them pretty pristine. You're like, yeah, you would have to like oh, CGI yeah. some shit to show me like or, or older. Miami's changed. Like New York, you still find like a like a like a a block or two that still looks like 1920, but in Miami, it's there's it's a little less now. You have to find yeah. little nooks and crannies or go up north. Well, well, I want to talk about a movie that came out in the early 2000s, and this is not, I'm not saying that this is in any way uh, or should be associated with Scarface, but I do want to uh, give a, a bit of a tip of the hat to another movie that takes place in Miami that's about a drug kingpin who oh, is, bad boys too, right? No, but blow. Well, we blow. can you, we can talk about that. But Sorry. but here's what I want to talk about. It's a drug kingpin who he may supposed to be Cuban, but he's definitely actually I played by an Irish person. And it's about this cartel who's taken down by an ex cop and an ex con, and it's called Too Fast Too Furious. Oh, funny! And let me tell you. <laughs> It captures the the ne- all of the neon of Miami yes. big time. I got I got to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's one of the bridges that they I think it's 836. It's, it's one of the bridges, yeah, that they use. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, sorry, no, but that's I, with I, Cole Hauser playing cuz I I did a the, the, I was I was a tour the, guide. The kingpin. I was a, I've been a, I was a been a tour guide a little bit through Little Havana, South Beach, but my last tour guide gig was on a boat where we go under 836. And one of the things is Too Fast, Too oh. Furious, because that's where they race. And that's when you see... Oh, that's funny. That's the one that has, like... doesn't have neon, but it does have, like, these beautiful uh, pastel lights hitting it from the bottom. 
So like if you ever see like Miami Heat playing whatever, you see like an aerial mm-hmm. shot. You see the white. You'll see a, a lit up bridge. That's the eight thirty six. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that oh, takes yeah. you from Miami. Into, that's one of the ways to get to Miami Beach. Even though, even though in, in Scarface, Scarface you only have you have Ocean Drive and Fountain Blue, and Frank Lopez's apartment is is Brickle. Mm-hmm. So those are the three scenes are Miami. The rest of that movie, unfortunately, is Los LA. Angeles. Is LA? Yeah. Reason being, it was the whole thing was going to be Miami. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't blame the city of Miami for not wanting Scarface to necessarily well, be shot there, considering how well, at the time, much it just uncovers the yeah. Right. Well, the, the other thing too was uh, we like, again like the Cubans landed in the South. We didn't, we didn't migrate to New York. We landed in the Deep South. That's what that's what South Florida was. You know, it was it was good old boys. And here's a fuck ton of people. So there was that little resistance, and that's why. Uh, and there's a lot of bad press always, a little discrimination. So it was a little like a little a little tense. Yeah. And then with the Marielle boat lift, got we got a lot of bad press. And it was the Cubans, the Cubans, the Cubans. So when that movie by eight, that was two years later. So they were making that movie like in '82, that they were making some drug movie. The the community had just had it, and that's what they protested. I guess had we known that Stephen Bauer was in it, we probably would. I wish he had stepped out and like said, "Hey guys, relax" or something. Yeah. And then we would have had the whole movie. But that's why they moved it over there. So it it it, it, it sucks that, that happened. But I mean, I, I understand why it was at that time. It was a little it was a little tense. Well, also, even if Stephen Bauer did come out and say something, it's not like today where we have social media where people can make a statement and everybody knows about it. You know, he would have had to have done sure, a no. big thing and. But I gotta say, Stephen yeah. Bauer was awesome in the movie, and I loved him. Do you know yeah. who you know who they were looking at for that part was Travolta? Oh my god! Oh thank god! I'm so glad they did. Which is funny because I hit a moment when I was watching it where I was imagining I was like I I, I was like I don't think he would have been as good, but I was like I wouldn't be so entertained by seeing Travolta as Tony Montana. I'd be so entertained by it, not for the right reasons. I but. hear you. It's a better movie because of Stephen Bauer. I, I, I told him. I told him. I told them what you told me to tell them. I told them I was in a sanitarium. <laughs> Just a sanitarium, not a sanitation, man. No, you, you told me to tell them. Uh, no, thank God. No, but also because Stephen Bauer also offers the only legit accent in that movie, too. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he coached. No, he Elizabeth Bessie did a good job, though. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Bessie did an awesome job, but yeah. He, yeah, so my idea for this was uh, kind of similar to yours, Caesar, but uh, more focusing on Freedom Town and kind of just like the the ecosystem inside of this, uh, you know, this area where it's these people who are kind of in limbo. They have no place to call their own. They're there whether they should be there or not. Um, yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of stories yeah. that could be told from from there's, these there's a Yeah. In in the movie, it's under a highway in Los Angeles. Um, right. But in in real life, there's a couple of places. But one place there was there was a, they had a, a bunch was the Orange Bowl, where mm. the Dolphins used to play, where the Miami Hurricanes used to play. Now yeah. the Marlins. Now it's, they, they knocked it down and made Marlins Stadium. But the Orange Bowl was where they housed a, a bunch of people doing the Mariel boat lift, where they they, they had they were on limbo. Uh, the only time that they show Cubans in the Mariel boat lift is another terrible movie about Cubans. With horrible, but it's um, it's with uh, what's her name, the Italian girl from My Cousin Vinny, oh, Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei, she plays a Cuban. I think was it the Perez family? Yes, Marissa Tomei. It's um, 
the Perez family. Right. You see them in the beginning in a stadium. Huh. That's that's why they're in a stadium. It was the Orange Bowl. That's where they were held. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I can't. Yeah. Is that like Armando Sante? Yeah, that's a disaster. Oh, that boy. movie. I can't. I can't watch it. <laughs> They also played him like really dumb. Right? I didn't see it. Yeah. So I think yeah. my my cousin saw it. I tried to. I, well, maybe just maybe remake that and yeah. just do it better. Well, right now the, there's a Cuban remake happening right now with Andy Garcia, yeah. uh, Dan, Father what? the Bride. They're making a third version of that movie, and it's gonna be a Cuban version. With, uh, oh, Andy that's Garcia. right. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that. They didn't cast me. I auditioned, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't get cast. That's great. Andy Garcia is awesome. <laughs> Well, fuck them. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can be in for the sequel. I don't know. So, man. So, Dan, what what would you do with Scarface these days? So, um, a a lot of my idea has kind of been resonating throughout the conversation. The idea of of feeling seen and of incorporating history and of not just telling a story of you know rising through the ranks. This Shakespearean tale of yeah. you know it reminds me a lot of 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 the scottish play of macbeth and and how he you know hustles his way to the to the top and i and i was thinking about you know okay well the 1932 version kind of says like all right well how have italian americans had to struggle past discrimination and and uh systemic racism to achieve and then i feel like scarface was kind of like the okay well now how have different governments and policies kind of put people in this position where it it is this is this there's not really a whole lot of other options or at least not as it's shown in the movie Mm -hmm. so um and because you know what it's like you can you can play by the rules and you can have a nice little house like tony's mom does or you know, you can do what Tony does and end up with a palace and then end up, you know, getting shot with like 2000 bullets. Um, you, hey, the world uh, is yours. So the you, you want to make the, right. You want to make the Sydney Lamette version. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not I'm not there yet. Speaking of speaking of though influence, though, one of the greatest uh, um, one of the greatest like uh, rap songs of, uh, you know, probably all time. The, the world is yours. Nas. Um from the Illmatic. So you have the influence. No. So what I'm thinking is because one thing is we don't ever have this moment where Tony Montana is like the, like, oh, he was going in the right direction and then bad influences. He, he kind of, he starts off like, you know, we're introduced to him as like, these are the dregs of Castro's prisons. And, you know, we know that that he's already been he talks about he's like, hey, no, I'll do that. I'll cut that guy up just for fun. Yeah. So I was thinking of perhaps a slightly more um, uh, sympathetic protagonist. And it made me think a lot about the, you know, family separations at the border that that we've been seeing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know it hasn't just been the last five years, but, you know, it's really been public. And I I was thinking so much about these uh, detention centers that they kept kids in that had, you know, these like wall paintings of, you know, just like it was glorifying American propaganda. Like even like Donald Trump, like paintings of like Donald Trump and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, this is the guy who's putting, you know, this roof over your head and that you know foil blanket around your body sorry it sounds like i'm making light of a serious situation i don't mean to but because i i think that there is a 
I think that there is a story to be told there. I think you could tell that story. You could tell the story of yeah. dreamers, right. you know, uh, people who were brought to this country as, you know, um, as minors. I don't like to even say illegally, but they're brought to this country, not through the right. traditional means, did not go through the system. And yes. they're, you know, the subject of a lot of controversy. So you could show like, all right, what... What happens when you are when you have no home? You're in limbo mm. even when you didn't choose yeah. to be there. And you're and you're kind of like, well, look, my parents dragged me up here. And whether it's that they're dreamers or whether it's like, look, my parents, you know, I, I we dra got dragged up here because of um, you know, really serious situations in I'm sorry, I'm blanking it. I want to say Ecuador. But I don't know if that's if that's the appropriate country. But um, just thinking like, you know, hey, I didn't choose this. This is where I ended up. And how am I going to get by? And who is going who is going to help yeah. me get by? Who am I going to use? You know, kind of like that, you know, but also seeing more of a pattern of like, OK, this is not just what I'm choosing. This is what I've been told. Right is my only yeah. option because right, yeah. it, it's kind of like, it's almost that self-fulfilling prophecy of like the Fox, Fox news saying, Oh yeah. Migrant hordes of MS 13 gang members. Yeah. And it's like, well, these probably weren't gang members, but what are you going to do? You're going to show them that, you know, you're basically going to shove them yeah, into yeah. that life, you know, potentially right. not, not guaranteed, but I'm like, it's like the question of like, who is our, you know, who who is our Scarface? Where does so our you, you wanna, you wanna Scarface like, uh, come from you wanna, to show like... You want to Jokerify Tony Montana. Like, he's this guy, and then he like, I'm going to be this villain now. <laughs> we live in a society. Um, well, not, not, not quite that, not quite that far, but I mean, like... Because it's not just like this is this this guy who's got like a lot of untreated mental yeah. illness. I want to have it as like this is a kid who's this is someone who's come up and who's been extremely traumatized by, you know, like fleeing violence fleeing violent, at yeah. home. The trip like I would I would honestly like go into the whole, yeah, it, you know, I would spend a good 20 minutes it would have to, going yeah. into it, just the whole like the, what you're doing is basically that would be like the correct remake because it would be something that's happening like in the now. You know what I mean? So yeah, it is the now. So it would have to be. Yeah. It, yeah. If we were making now, it would have to be a Mexican or Central American or South American going through that through going through that whole journey. If it was like the, the yeah, we're going with the with, with if we're going with Cuban twenty one Tana. Yeah, but I think we'd have to remove the person trying to sleep with their own sister. Yeah. But what if? But what if that comes from like you know? Okay, let's say we go with the, you know that, uh, you know Tony Montana kind of finds his crew in this detention center and what if that's like a faux family and if he ends up maybe it's not his biological sister i don't know oh uh, yeah well you know I you can know. still yeah right i but i also think that that plot line is kind of expendable uh, yeah i i mean i'm glad that they didn't get rid of it for the remake because they made it better for the remake but right well and that's yeah. also the thing is it's kind of like how are you going to top Mar like a coked up mary elizabeth master antonio you know walking into tony's office seductively my god incredible another thought that i had of course was just to kind of chronicle sosa's experience the sosa story the sosa story because what a great character mm. yeah um I, and you, you know what it made me think i was yeah. like man I, if we 
I don't know who is the new Robert Altman. I don't necessarily know that that there is or should mm-hmm. be a new Robert Altman. But I was like, man, that would make a great Robert Altman, like Robert Altman's Freedom Town. Oh uh, man, it, it, that would be fantastic. Well, especially since Cubans all talk at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking about that. I was like, if you don't like, if you don't not just speak Spanish, but like speak the specific dialect that's being spoken there. Like you're not going to yeah. have a clue what's going on. There's just, the screen's going to be covered with different colored like subtitles. I say a Cuban story by Robert Altman will be a headache. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to add one more. I'm going to oh. add one more. Uh, what would also be really interesting is the telling of the writing of the original Scarface and having to dodge Al Capone's goons and you know, ah. trying to get a get away with writing a movie about this person. So who basically, is, is no Mank. It would yeah, be well. Hacked. It's 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 a little bit of Mank. Uh, yes, a little, but, I, but but feeling a little bit more like Argo. I think you know, like uh, trying to just like be slippery in the. Uh, oh right. I don't know. Yeah. Where's that? Where's a Citizen Kane one of that? There's a it's called RKO. RKO two eighty one. Right. Yeah. 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 Great movie. Um, so yeah. And by the way, sorry, we, uh, one thing we, we skipped was just kind of like all of the other intended remakes and sequels. Um, so like there was, um, uh, hip hop artist Cuban link who was going to be making a sequel called son of Tony. Um, and that, that was like 20 years ago. And then 10 years ago, there was, there was going to be a remake with, uh, David Ayer, uh, screenplay and David Yates directing. And then in 2014, it was a Paul Atanasio, uh, script, um, that would be set in Los Angeles following a Mexican immigrant's rise in the criminal, criminal underworld. Um, and then in 2016, there was an it was going to be Antoine Fuqua directing yeah. and Terrence Winter writing the script, uh, Diego Luna starring. And then t- as of 2017, there was a Coen Brothers script. Right. And I think that that one might still be <laughs> in the works. Um, well, as of May 14th, 2020, and this is according to Wikipedia, um, it was that Luca... Um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name right. Luca Guadagnini. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to pronounce the name right. He directed the remake of Suspiria. um, Oh, yeah. yeah, He was going to direct with the Coen Brothers script. But who knows? Because we've also got Joel Coen. I think it's Joel Coen's um, Macbeth movie coming out later this year. So that's what. so, So Scarface, it's often talked about but honestly i think we've got some i think we've got some great ideas so hollywood if you are listening and you want to add a uh a 2021 entry to this wikipedia section of scarface remakes we've got three for you here you can make the checks payable to rune childhoods pod at gmail.com i don't yeah so caesar uh why don't you shout out all of your your social media stuff if you have any uh comedy shows coming up i don't know what the scene is like in miami right now with covid situation uh, but florida oh, so all bets are off there is it, it, the, the the miami scene is the, the miami scene is actually there's a, the comedy scene is, is booming here i was going out a bit last couple months uh this uh month i was 
I've been a little busy, haven't gone out as much. And I th- I'm working on a web series. I'm going to do a web series on, on Hialeah, the town that, cool. I, that, that I'm in. That's what I'm working on now. And Caesar G Comedy is my is my Instagram that I'll be posting there. I might be I'm going to be changing my name because uh, it's Caesar Gracia, but it gets confused with Caesar Garcia so uh. often. Uh, I'm sure I've done this years ago, but my great grandfather's last name is De Gracia, so I think I'm going to change oh. it to Caesar De Gracia oh. because I don't know. Uh, the last because oh, but see, I'm in a movie uh, HBO Max with uh, with Paul Rodriguez, uh, Chateauvato. Opening credits, I'm Caesar Gracia. Closing credits, oh. I'm Cesar Garcia. On IMDb, it's correct. So it's been I've been dealing with it for yeah. way too long, and I've just been a little lazy about it. So I'm gonna probably do that. Um, but now I had a, a, an actor friend of mine who I did a reading with not like two months ago for a short film, uh, but he's got like autoimmune disease, and he uh, he got the fucking oh. Delta variant. So that's the closest that I've, that I've known. Um, oh, that sucks. And I know people in LA and stuff like that, but as far as Miami, this this dude got it, and it's kind of like. I have people have gone and survived the old COVID, I guess. Uh, I've been lucky this whole time, and you know, I got a two-year-old, yeah. and I mean, I got a three-year-old. Um, so I was doing a lot of stand-up. I was getting back in, and again, I was really loving it. So I really fucking miss it. And and uh, the the scene here really is is really blowing up a little bit. Uh, but right now, I'm kind of uh, I don't know. I might go back up in a month or two, I, I, a month or so, I got to see how, it, how yeah. it's going to go down here. A little bit. No, no one thing's being locked down because mm-hmm. we're in crazy town. We're, uh, we're in, we're in DeSantis's yeah. uh, in, insanity right now. So, but it's not, uh, I mean, apparently, uh, yeah, numbers of hospitals. I haven't seen, I, as far as people I know, I only know one person right now who's well, like they, in the hospital. hope so. they get better soon. I'm going to hold out going on stage for a while. I'm going to work on the web series and I'll probably go back on stage maybe in a couple of months or later in the year. But if people just keep track of your social media, they'll find out everything. <laughs> find out, yeah. So Caesar G Comedy, uh, I'll be posting there, and also be posting my my cool. the, the web series and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's exploring a city that you didn't know about. Cool. It's basically Hialeah. It's a uh, it's a little city inside the, the cool. uh, Dade County, Miami Dade County. But uh, it has it has a fun history. It has like you know, Emily Earhart uh, flew out of here. Uh, you know, um, Churchill visited here. Uh, the racetrack, a lot of stuff, but then it has this you know, it's corrupt history as well. A lot of uh, whatever you put up your nose probably got cut here in Hialeah at one time. So it's almost like slash Brooklyn system um, of Miami. Quick question. Is this, is this, <laughs> the Bronx is this, Miami, I remember back in the day you telling me that like you went to a school that had been converted from an apartment complex. Is this where that school, is that in Hialeah? Yes. It's in Hialeah. Yes. That's where I grew up. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> So there's a lot. Uh, my my brother kind of started the idea of like, and um, so yeah, it, it, I'm gonna start talking about little little things, little interesting things about this little town. Um, so that's what I kind of what I'm gonna really focusing on right now is just doing that, and then talking about jokes and Cuban jokes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Looking forward to it. So Caesar G yeah. comedy. Thank you guys. Yes, this is a this is a blast. I had a really good time. No, thank you so much, uh, Dan. Yeah. Do you want to let everyone know what we're gonna be talking about next? Oh yeah. So we're going from one iconic line. Uh, in this movie, the say, well, Caesar, do you want to you want to let this one go? You haven't said it the whole episode. Go ahead. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> the whole thing. Um, one iconic line to to another. Uh, you're tearing me apart. Uh, but no, not the one that you're thinking of. What? It's not the room. 
No, not oh no 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 not not the room. Uh, though there's definitely a James Franco connection because we've got James Dean starring in 1955's Rebel Without a Cause. James That's Franco right. having played James Dean in a TNT biopic. Right, and also and also not Earth Girls Are Easy again. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not, no, we already talked about Earth Girls Are Easy, but no, we got it, Nicholas Ray directed. We've got James Dean, Salminio, uh, Natalie Wood, Jim Backus, Thurston Howell the Third from Gilligan's Island. That's right. Yes. Well, Dan, as you make your way up through the ranks of the uh, the Miami drug scene, I wish you a good journey. And Caesar, uh, stay well, and uh, everybody needs to follow him on social media. All right. Good journey. Mr. Mr. Scarface from walking down the block Out jumps the fiends and steals all his rocks Pulls out a gun and shoots down all the fiends. And Mr. Mr. Scarface went up the block again. 